Welcome back, folks. Did you miss me? Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, it's been May 2021 was the last time I put out an episode on this podcast. It's been an interesting year. Um, I, I Obviously, we started the Mavs Outsiders in May, myself and my, my co-host Reese. That's where all the basketball stuff is going to be going forward. Initially, I had planned for this to be a basketball podcast, but uh, I don't don't end up needing that. I'm gonna do everything basketball and the Mavs outsider. So this is now my movie podcast yet again, and uh, we're gonna start off the year with a bang. Scream, 2022, the requel, as they're calling it. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, another thing I want to do with this podcast with the movies is I always try to have a guest on. I like having other people to talk about the movies with. Everybody's experience is gonna be a little bit different. Um, and the person I'm bringing on today. Tyler Lennon is, I know, a big horror movie fan. So definitely, definitely hoping to collab with him a few times this year on, on some of the bigger horror movies that come out. Uh, Tyler also covers sports as well on his podcast, uh, The Lennon Closet. He has a local radio show. Tyler, how you doing? Dude, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be the first guest back, dude. I, you know, I love you with all, obviously big Mavs guy. We talk a lot of Mavs, but you've kind of become like one of my go-to people, not only to like follow for movies, but we talk a lot of movies too. So man, yeah. it's, it's super dope to be the, the first person you're having back. No, definitely. Definitely. And uh, you actually let me use your shutter account and I've watched a couple of like rare movies that I wouldn't have otherwise seen on shutter because of that. So I appreciate you for sure. Uh, long overdue getting you on the podcast to talk movies so again hopefully the first of many <laughs> absolutely and by the way anyone listening if you're interested in shutter i give i give that thing out like i'm way too <laughs> way too cool with it so anyone that wants to check out shutter you definitely should it's like one of my favorite streaming apps possible so if you need a little intro to it feel free to hit me up and i'll, I'll let y'all use it no definitely a, a must-have especially if you're a horror fan um a whole lot of stuff on there that you're not going to find many other places or any other places, really a lot of exclusives. So um, let me hit out the social real quick. Uh, Tyler can be found on Twitter at Tyler underscore Lennon. That's two N's in the middle. O-N. So L-E-N-N-O-N. Uh, Tyler underscore Lennon. And again, the podcast is the Lennon Closet. Play on Lennon, of course. <laughs> yeah, and a fair warning ahead of time. Um my Twitter can be both a cool, useful thing, and it also can be just me reminding y'all that Lil Wayne's the Drought 3 mixtape's the greatest mixtape ever. So it's a lot of nonsense. So just a fair warning. If y'all want to follow me, that's super dope, but just be prepared. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk about Lil Wayne right now, but <laughs> <laughs> again, thank you for coming on. So let's get into this movie. Uh Scream. Now I'm gonna tell you my history a little bit. We can get into yours. I actually historically have not been a slasher fan. I just, it's just not my thing. I don't like a lot of blood usually. Uh, I like more the, the, the thought-provoking films, which is actually funny when we, when we get into the spoiler parts and start talking about the details of the movie, that kind of comes up in the movie, which is one of the things that I've learned this weekend that Scream does is they, they reference and like to pay homage to a lot of the, the history of horror movies. So I had not really watched Scream or any of the four previous movies. Um, I've seen parts of them, you know, people put movies on when you're around, you kind of catch stuff, but I'd never like sat down to watch it. For, so the first time that occurred was Friday. I went back and watched Scream 1 and I was thoroughly impressed. Like there were some tonal things where I couldn't decide comedy or horror, but I think you have to have some comedy in horror. 
personally. Yeah, so I actually uh, saw you tweet that the other day that you were watching it for the first time. And uh, I know you're a lot like me in that sense that even though we're huge movie nerds, we have like huge gaps in our you know history, like some big, huge movies that we had missed. And uh, I was really excited to see that you had gone back and watched it. It is... Um, the, the franchise itself isn't something that I necessarily love, but the original 1996 Scream absolutely is not one of my favorite horror movies ever, but it's it's one of my favorite movies of any genre ever for a lot of what you're talking about. it's um It does something well that I think is one of the very hardest things in the world to do, which is meta. And for anyone listening that doesn't know what meta is, it's just self-referential pretty much. And it takes the horror genre as a whole. And I think what's really important, and I'm probably being too nerdy if I am, feel free to let me know, but uh, I think you have to think back of when that movie was made. In 1996, it's made by Wes Craven, who is considered like a goat, you know what I mean? Nightmare on Elm Street. And kind of where the horror genre was in 1996 was you had had the 80s where all the big slashers that you're talking about. And then late 80s, early 90s, it had found itself in a rut to where there wasn't much outside of that. And they were having to rely on awful, you know, the seventh sequel of a franchise or reboots. And that's where scream comes in and literally just kind of puts a mirror up to it. And and like you said, you can't tell if it's comedy or horror. And like, I think that's exactly what it's trying to accomplish. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely was thoroughly impressed. I actually, uh, I started listening to the Morbid podcast uh, late last year and there were two episodes where they referenced Scream, I believe. One is actually one of the inspirations for the Scream movie, apparently. Um, trying to, I've been trying to pull it up while you were talking. Uh, you, you halfway <laughs> bought me a little time. I'm going to pull it up here. I'm going to find it. Um, I don't want to misquote the name of- uh, If you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll slide in if you would what like. You it's the the Gainesville Ripper is who that was based on. Um, I believe it was Kevin Smith who wrote that or uh, whoever it was that wrote it. Um, He was sitting down to write the movie and all that was kind of going on at the news. And he literally wrote Scream, I believe, in a night or two nights or something like that, kind of based off the the Gainesville Ripper. Right. And uh, the Gainesville Ripper, they they said his face kind of had like that droopy look. And they think that that halfway could have inspired the, the choosing of that mask uh for the movie um i never knew it was based on a a, like i never knew that there were inspirations from actual uh murders in the movie and then later there was a the the, what they call the scream murders where there were kids two two boys who were inspired by the movies allegedly they wanted to be billy loomis um and they basically reenacted they killed one of their friends basically and tried to tried to basically do better than what they did in the movie, like perfected type of thing, if I recall correctly. I have to say not to make too light of the situation. If I'm being inappropriate, I apologize. But of all movie characters to to replicate, <laughs> Billy Loomis, for real? Is that who we're, is that yeah. who we're choosing? Yeah. Uh, I Listening to that episode was just, it sucked because I think they recorded a lot of what they were doing. And like that, and it, which is kind of like, again, I watched the fourth one as well. And in the fourth one, they were recording. I, I don't know the timeline on that. And when these actual murders occurred, I believe the murders occurred before the fourth movie was made. So I know, I, correct me if I'm wrong, the third one they changed because of Columbine, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think I actually knew that, honestly. Okay, I saw somebody mention it uh, when I was like saying which ones I was going to watch or asking which ones. I believe the third one they had to change like dramatically 
like last second after Columbine happened or something like oh, wow. that, if I'm not mistaken. One of them they changed because of Columbine. And um, but then the fourth one where the the guys like recording everything live, um I worry about that one kind of coming after the screen murders. Wonder if they knew about it or considered the fact that these these things happened, like the kids recorded what they were doing and were trying to go famous and were inspired by the original screen movie. Yeah, that's fair. I, I hadn't thought about that. Um, I mean, you would think people like Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson, by the way, is the writer's name that, that I couldn't remember. You would think they would have more awareness with something like that, but you know, that's tough. Yeah. But then again, the movie is the movie. It's like you can't undo. Right. If, if you're doing a screen movie, it has to be true to the screen roots. Right. I do want to say really quickly, uh, sorry to cut you off. You mentioned the Morbid podcast. That's something we talked about. I, I love that podcast. I, I just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> love Morbid. And I actually just caught up. Like I'm literally finishing up the most recent episode here uh, after we get off here. But um, which feels weird because like in, they started in 2018. I started listening in August. So I'm listening to them talk about 2018 build up to 2019 talk about COVID at first and like hearing them like doing live shows and then oh that was delayed that was delayed that was canceled we got COVID like it was just a interesting like going through the time with the the Morbid podcast but definitely plug that this is a horror review episode so I feel fine plugging Morbid they're big movie fans as well and again them talking about this movie so much because they talk about it often uh, is what inspired me to go ahead and go back and watch it. And I'm glad I did because I, I thoroughly enjoyed the original Scream. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed Scream 4. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. Initial thoughts on this movie. I enjoyed it as well. Uh, what were your thoughts? Man, that's tough. If we're just going just quickly initially, um, it, it's fun. And I think with a Scream movie, um, obviously the first one is considered important and it you know, is a great movie. But I think at the end of the day, they are fun movies. And, you know, when you're going to see a horror movie in theaters, like that's what you're looking for is fun. So I will say it it was fun. No, definitely. And uh, we'll get into like a breakdown of how you would rank rate it later. Um, But as far as initial thoughts, like if you knew what to expect going in, you got what you expected. Um, And maybe even a little bit more, I would say like they, they, they didn't do it exactly. I mean, they did, they did the, 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 they did Wes Craven. Uh, what what it was? I can't think of the uh, the appropriate word. I'm, I'm just killing myself. They did justice by Wes Craven's original. Uh, that that's fair. I w- I would agree with that. I actually went kind of back and forth on that with my buddy. But at the end of the day, <laughs> uh, especially given like just his general tone and everything, I agree with that. I think he very much would uh would be proud of that. Yeah, they. I think they hit the heart of the what the, what they were trying to do with the original. Uh, to a to a pretty good degree and again if you're looking for a slasher you're looking for you're a fan of the old movies whatever the case may be this one's not going to upset you I don't think no not at all and like you said I mean it's it's interesting because the general format of a screen movie is very tough because it is old school slasher type but also uh you know, a, a whodunit, but it's also so, so much more than that. And, yeah. and that's a tough, that's a very, very, very tough format to, to follow. I mean, very few, I can think of very, very few other movies who have done that. And like, I look back and like, they did that successfully. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's where even trying to do a new screen movie right now uh, is, I have to take my head off because there were so many ways that you, this could have gone wrong. 
And oh, I, I agree. I think uh, there there are way more ways that it could go wrong than right. Exactly. And again, to take that on is first of all and, and scary and uh, impressive. Uh, but then to do it in a way that, again, I, I'm a type of person, I'm looking for reasons to hate your movie. <laughs> when I, oh, 100%. When I, <laughs> I was joking with my buddy who uh, I go see all these movies with. And uh, we kind of find ourselves being those people. And I hate being that kind of person because like, you go to the movies <laughs> for enjoyment, especially if you're someone who loves movies. Like You think you're, you're looking for ways to love it. But for me, it's almost the opposite. It's almost like a trap. Like I'm like you've got to really do all of this for me to enjoy your movie. Unfortunately, I'm I'm very nitpicky. I seem to be looking for reasons not to like your movie on accident. Yeah, and I and I'm I I know historically I can be too nice with my reviews, like my ratings of movies. So if I can find a reason to knock you down, it'll make me feel better about myself <laughs> as a as a reviewer. Um, but again, is this a movie you would recommend to people o- overall? Do you think? Um, to the general person i think what i would say is if you have zero knowledge of scream of course you're going to want to see at least the first one um and go from there but as someone if you're a casual fan maybe you have seen it like yeah for sure especially um i I always look in i always try to look at it in the lens of let's say you're someone who wants a horror movie to go see we really haven't had a good one in theaters that the average casual fan would want to see since maybe halloween so this is a good opportunity for you to go to the theater and see a horror movie. No, 100%. And I will say that seeing number one and number four did enhance my enjoyment of the movie. Like if I didn't know who any of these old characters were, half of the movie probably wouldn't have landed for me at all. Uh, Because they do reference almost every old character at some some point in time, it felt like. Absolutely. And I I know I've mentioned this a couple of times now, but I think just the format of it itself, um, it's just not your... average movie experience so i think knowing how a screen movie is kind of set up knowing how it's going to go kind of is important to to know going into it and that first one definitely laid the groundwork for everything so yeah 100 percent uh so now let's get into some some spoilery type stuff we've been dancing around it for long enough i think first of all was there anything in particular that met or exceeded your expectations in this movie anything that happened during the movie that that kind of caught you off guard in a good way or bad way um, the, the number one thing I would say, and I can be kind of spoiler heavy here, not super spoiler heavy, but, um, we put enough of a buffer spoilers. are Okay. <laughs> the very, very, very first thing I noticed. And actually I didn't get to see this movie until Saturday, which is very weird for me. I'm a Thursday night person, like every, <laughs> especially the movies I'm, I'm interested in the movies that I've been waiting on, but I didn't get to see it till Saturday and I was bugging out about that. And luckily, you know, no one really spoiled it, but I did see people mentioning that it was way more quote unquote, like brutal than they thought it would be. And it was, it was much more graphic, much more brutal uh, than I I thought it was going to be. And I I had the conversation with my buddy. I was like, you know, I think that's what a screen movie is in 2022 though. Like if you go back to the 96 one, it's not necessarily that way, but had it been made today, maybe it would be, maybe that is what a screen movie is today. So that's the first thing that really caught me a lot more brutal than I thought it was going to be. No, 100%. And I think there are some rough kills in some of the earlier ones, but I'm thinking I'm going to name one in particular. Uh, when a character gets stabbed through the neck and they show the knife like come out the side of his neck and like keep it there for that was a, like a 30 second scene of knife inside neck. Like, good. Lord. I, 
I literally said to my friend during the movie, and we're those obnoxious people that talk during the movie, but we've mastered the art of, I know when I can speak to him, he can speak to me. <laughs> we're not going to miss anything. But I literally said to him, I was like, I have never seen that in a movie before. Yeah, that particular rough. shot of what you're mentioning, like you see it go through the neck and you see it in the, like, I've never seen that particular shot before. Yeah. Like it usually when you see a, a wound like that, it's like perfectly in the middle because that's easy to line up like when you're doing graphics and stuff. But this was like through the side, uh, like it was, it was pretty uh, intense. Um, I think the first one, there was like an intense, like a disemboweling, but like, it was more of a like quick, like, there you go. It's done type of thing. Like this was, this was rough in a couple of, a couple of times. I also think there was a lot more cussing. Like there were like 500 F-bombs in this movie. There was. I, I I didn't really think about that until you say it now, but there was. And I don't remember it necessarily being that way in the past. Not, not like that. Like it was like hard R, like it was Deadpool levels. Again, though, <laughs> does that go back to the question? Is this what a 22 version of Scream, a 2022 version of Scream is? Maybe it is more brutal. Maybe there is more cussing. Maybe that's what it is now. I don't know. And I, and I don't necessarily mind it because, you know, if I'm in that situation, a person is trying to kill me, I'm not i don't care what comes out of my mouth like that's very fair that's, that's very one of fair. my least favorite things in movie honestly is when i'm watching a horror movie i hate when characters do things that don't make sense or like that a normal person wouldn't do so when you're dropping f-bombs when somebody's trying to stab you that's that's realistic I, see I, <laughs> I think that's why generally speaking you don't like slasher movies because especially in the 80s and stuff it's a lot of, uh, I'm a camp counselor who's going to take my top off and run through the woods and smoke pot. It's like, really? Who does that in real life? I don't think that's a thing exactly. I would be doing in this situation, knowing a killer's on the loose. 100%. Like, as soon as something like that happens in a movie, I'm tapping out. Like, I, I can't take this seriously. I, I can't I can't go on with this. Um, and that's where I think I started pivoting to horror comedies, because at least in a horror comedy, you're intending to be funny. Like in those cases, they're not trying to be funny with that. Like that's just stuff that's, oh, this is supposed to be normal. And it's like, no, I can't buy that. To your point, I think um, we've gotten some really, really, really good horror comedies, especially like the last decade or so. I'm sure there were more in the 80s and 90s that maybe I missed out on. But I think then things were way too over the top cheesy. I think especially like from like 2010 on, say, We've gotten some really good ones, stuff like Tucker versus Dell, which comes off as like, oh, that's really cheesy. Like, that's actually a really, really, really good horror comedy. Uh, stuff like Cabin in the Woods, which is more elevated, but we've gotten some really good horror comedies over the last few years. Yeah, Tucker and Dale is, was my introduction to like my the first movie that made me like love horror and seek out horror comedies. Uh, definitely a very smart take on you know that type of movie. I believe the writers behind this, and I, I probably should have verified the writers slash director, they were in Ready or Not. Or yeah, they... so that's what actually got me as excited about this movie as I was, because at first there were definitely, uh, you know, some hesitate, hesitation is not the right word, but like I was nervous coming into it. Uh, Scream is a movie that it's like, do we really need to be doing this? This is going to be really <laughs> tough to do. But when I saw the director, I believe his name is Matt Olpin or something like that, but he directed Ready or Not. And then he also had, uh, I believe he worked on VHS and yep. Southbound. I mean, he had, he had credentials and especially Ready or Not, the one you mentioned specifically, 2019, that's, uh, that's you ask anybody whether they're uh, a critic or just a fan, like everyone consensus has that as a top five top three top whatever of the last few years yeah it's uh matt Bedinelli open and tyler gillett are the the directors so 
again, I, I, I didn't check their credentials prior. I wanted to just go into the movie blind. I went back after to see like who took it over because, you know, Wes Craven did pass away in 2015. I knew he didn't have anything to do with this. Um, and again, I think that they did a great job. I believe James Vanderbilt was on the screenplay. He, uh, let me see what his writing credentials include. Uh, Murder Mystery, the Netflix movie with uh, Adam Sandler. Uh, Independence Day Resurgence, the reboot in 2016. The Amazing Spider-Man movies, one and two. That's a very uh, that's a very weird combination of things. Yeah, White House Down. It, I'm just going to throw out another weird one that doesn't make any sense. Uh, he also wrote uh, the Zodiac, the Zodiac movie in 2007. So what? He's all over the place. That's one of my favorite <laughs> movies ever made. Yeah. I love Zodiac. Yeah, Zodiac is is a movie that I think a lot of movie buffs love, but doesn't get a lot of. It doesn't get talked about a lot. I don't think it doesn't. And uh, sorry, I know this isn't the Zodiac pod, so I don't want to take too much <laughs> of your time talking about it. But it's one of those I always. I rewatch movies heavy. I love rewatching movies. Rewatching movies, one of my favorite things in the world. But I only rewatch Zodiac like once a year, once every other year. And every time I do that, I'm like, why don't I watch this movie more often? And then what feels like nine hours later, you're like, oh, this is this is why I don't watch it that often. That's probably why not the average person loves it because it is. I mean, it's it's a long movie. Uh, yeah. I wanted to ask you, though, really quickly. You said you wanted to go into it blind. Generally speaking, are you the kind of person that do you always do that? Because I actually... I like to look at the cast and especially like, oh, what have I seen them from? But directors specifically, I'm like, okay, what have I seen of theirs before? I like to do that before before going into a movie. So usually if, unless the the director is the selling point of the movie. So like if, you know, directed by Jordan Peele, um, you know, I can't think of, I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name from uh, Hereditary right now. Um, not Ari Aster, but... Uh, yeah, that yeah, Ari Aster. Yeah, yeah Ari Aster. So like if it's one of those type, then yeah, I'll 100%, that's all I need to know to see the movie but if it's just a a a generic movie i typically will if i'm already thinking about going if i need to be pushed over the edge i might check that or i might care about the cast i try to avoid trailers i try to go in as blind as possible for most movies because i don't want to have expectations because that's how i end up disappointed like if i'm like oh crap that's such and such this is what what i'm gonna get and then i don't get that then i'm gonna be upset no, in hindsight, that might be the way to do that because I'm the opposite. I watch every trailer I possibly can. I check out the cast. I check out the directors. I, and I, I end up getting disappointed. So maybe that's the way to do yeah. that. No, definitely. Uh, I found that out the hard way a few times. And I was like, you know what? The less I know, the better. Let's be surprised and not know what to expect. And there's a lot of movies that I've enjoyed that other people haven't because of that reason. Like they had expectations or whatever the case may be. And like, there was a twist that happens or something that happens in the movie that as a person going in blind, I didn't see coming at all. But the, you, if you saw the trailer, you knew something like this was going to occur. And now that moment is ruined for you type of thing. That makes sense. But I would argue, I mean, the marketing is a big part of it. You know, they, they put a ton of time, money and effort into that kind of thing. So I don't know, to me, that's almost like part of the experience you're waiting for it. Oh, I know I'm about to get, we get one more trailer. Like I know, like you get the three or, you know what I mean? You're waiting for that kind of thing. So part of my problem with it is the way trailers are cut to the point where I started looking for jobs in like trailer, whoever, who's editing the trailers, because I need to get in the room and tell them this is wrong. Like stop putting so much of the movie in the trailer. Like you're giving 1000%. 1000%. And so one of the things that I do sometimes, again, if I'm not, if I don't know anything about whatever the movie is or whoever's in it or whoever's directing it, I'll watch a trailer up to a certain point when I'm like, all right, I'm in or I'm out. And then I'll cut it off. Like I usually don't watch more than a minute of a trailer of a movie like that. 
That makes a lot of sense because I can think of a number of examples of you go see the movie and then you're like, why did y'all put all of that in the trailer? Like you gave the best parts of the movie <laughs> away. I feel like I got nothing. Like I've already seen this movie. I saw the trailer. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. That's a fair point. And there was a scary movie and I, I feel like we're off topic, but I don't care. Um, there was a scary movie. Which one? of It was one of the... Um, it's that franchise with uh, not Annabelle, but it is that franchise, the Conjuring franchise. Conjuring. It was one of the movies where in the trailer, they show something that I had never seen before in a horror movie. And I was pissed because I was like, if I saw that in the theater, I would probably <sighs> shit myself. Like in do the you, theater. Do you have to remember what it was or do you not want to tell? Was, I want to say it was one of those scenes where like, it was the first time I had seen it personally. Uh, the the ghost or whatever is at the in, in the doorway and then I don't know if the like a light there's like a flicker of the light and then the the person is like on top of them like oh I got you the one I was thinking of part of that same universe uh in the nun their trailer was super scary and it had this scene that ends up being the big jump scare of the entire oh, movie wow. and it's one of those like i'm not a huge jump scare person but it was executed perfectly but like we all knew it was coming already we've seen this in the trailer yeah exactly and that and again you can tell when it's like one of those big moments in the trailer you can tell it's a big moment so i, I right. hate that stuff that is that is a good way to get me to not even care about your movie anymore um so with that said <laughs> let's move forward what were some of your favorite moments in this one? Well, I was going to ask if you don't mind going first, because I'm curious, we have the very different, uh, we came into this movie on very different pages. You were kind of watching it for like, like you said, you caught up right before the movie came out. Whereas I'm not a huge fan of the entire series, but scream is a movie I watch at least once a year, usually more than that. I always watch it around Halloween and then like screams one of my go-to movies. So I'm kind of curious at, at what points did you find yourself? Like, I'm, I'm curious how we'll differ here. Okay, so, and I, I feel like I skipped a step. So first of all, to, to reestablish, if you have if you have seen the old movies, this one does take place in the original town. I think it's Woodbury is the name of the town, and it does. I mean, it follows the same. I don't even feel like you really need to give a synopsis. It follows the same idea: uh, ghost faces back and killing people, and you're trying to figure out who it is, why they're back. Uh, it brings back some of the old characters. And of course, the key characters. Uh, if you've seen the trailer, you know uh, Nev Campbell's back. Um, it has fun with it, and then it does add its own little spin to it at the same time, just like four did. Um, I don't think there's much else that needs to be said as far as that goes. So, as far as favorite moments, and we are in super spoiler territory, I was waiting for it, but I wasn't. But when it happened, I didn't notice until they told me that it happened. And that is when we return to the original final house at the end of the movie. Okay, so um, leading up to that moment, me and my buddy, a couple different times looked at each other and we were like, this is the same house. I'm almost positive <laughs> it's the same house. And then finally she word for word addresses, oh, this is the same house. But uh, we both were like, I'm almost positive this is the same house. <laughs> I was looking for it like, throughout the show like even in different houses I was like is this house one of the ones from the original like, I was trying to like decide throughout the movie and then every person I saw I was like is this person related to somebody blah 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 right. um like I, I think at one point they introduced like a black cop and I was like is that Anthony Anderson's like cousin or something like saw, that's a cop now and in his honor um but they did give you like all of the connections um we hit we get super spoiler territory so okay we, cool <laughs> we get um 
the cop what's her name oh, i can't think of the name of the so actress. i can't i can't think of her name but the woman who's a cop uh she's also a cop in either the three or one. four fourth yeah. one she's yeah. a deputy in the fourth one she and then had, of course she has a son who is also a, a big character yeah, yeah one of the main characters in this one she had a thing for um and here, this is like a, a, a easter egg so in the fourth movie she makes these lemon squares for the sheriff and she has like a thing for shepherd sheriff dewey and um in the movie when her son like is in the refrigerator and he like closes the door and there's like a note on the door about lemon squares being in the refrigerator for him or something oh like wow i didn't catch that so yeah i did not catch it <laughs> side made... note side note yeah. can i ask you something again if i'm getting off topic i apologize Okay, we're talking about believability and stuff. Could Dewey ever be a sheriff? Could he? And so that's the thing. Like when I when you watch the first one, like when they introduce Dewey, he's clearly a comical character. You're not supposed to take him super seriously. Uh, but then he ends up being the hero at the end. Um, he ends up getting the girl at the end, which also isn't supposed to happen in those type of movies. And he uh, ended up getting her in real life. Exactly. So, and I think that that's that story that his long storyline despite how weird and somewhat unbelievable it seems when you connect it through the time to the present it somehow made the story deeper it did i will say for as goofy and everything as he is in that first one he has what i think is the smoothest line of all time <laughs> but for anyone that doesn't know i'll just run through it real quick gail weathers he meets gail weathers for the first time which is courtney cox's character and uh, she doesn't believe he's old enough to be a, a sheriff or whatever. And uh, she says, you know, I, I test really well. She's an anchor woman or whatever. And she says, I test really well with 18 to 24 year olds. And he's 25. And he says, well, I'm 25. I was 24 for a whole year. And yeah, I think yeah. that is so smooth. <laughs> yeah. Cause, uh, and, the, and the way he delivered it was he, was, he says, I'm 25. And then later she's, he's like walking away and she says something. Um, and he turns back around. He's like, I was 24 for a whole year. <laughs> that was pretty smooth i'm not gonna yeah. lie and it was smooth and it was even more smooth because he was walking away doing it like i don't have to press hard like i'm just gonna drop this and I, I don't have that much game <laughs> I, I i don't either so <laughs> shout out to dewey um but again in the beginning of that movie i was like oh this is a goofy character he's gonna die blah 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 blah. and now we're four or five movies deep and i'm like invested in this guy and believing in him as a hero uh it's just an interesting interesting way that they've handled that character throughout time I thought, and, and spoiler alert, I don't, we'll get into how much I love the movie or don't. I don't love this movie near as much as you do, but uh, okay. one of the things I thought they did really get right was his character development. You know, we've seen that he's gone through a lot of stuff. We see how his relationship with Gail Weathers ended and everything. But like you said, he comes back and ends up being like a huge role, not only of this specific movie, but of the franchise itself. I thought right. um, they could have very well not taking the time to give him the character development that he got. And I thought they did a, a good job with that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It just worked. And uh, I don't even know, how did we get to this topic? I don't remember. So we were asking <laughs> you, we were talking about things that you did like, or okay. like just as you're going through the movie, I want to go right. back to the very beginning, if you don't mind, you said we're in like super spoiler yeah, yeah, territory. Yeah, 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 yeah. So obviously most screen movies, especially that first one is famous for, it was Drew Barrymore was marketed as the lead of the movie they kill her in the opening scene. Um, Beautiful. So now every scream movie, you're like, are they going to do that? Are they not going to do that? I thought um, Jenna Ortega, I believe is the yeah. Uh, yeah. actress's name. I thought we'll make it, they'll make it seem like she died and she ends up living. And that did happen. But I like, I liked the way they so did it. I thought, it. <laughs> yeah, I thought they did that well. 
when they the only reason I was not expecting her to die is because um people were talking about her online and I didn't feel like they would be talking about her online if she died in the first couple of minutes. That's um, fair. I, w- I was laughing because uh, again, I watched one in four and in four, they do like multiple fake out beginnings and like each one contains actresses that could have easily been the lead. Right. So that was the fun part of that one. Um, but in this one, I, I liked what they did with Jenna Ortega. I like her as an actress. Um, I do sad- too. Sadly, I've been watching her since Disney Channel, um, stuck in the middle days. <laughs> so I think the first time I saw her was um... you. Oh no, it's um I don't remember which was first, but the sequel to the movie The Babysitter, which is a okay Netflix horror movie. Yeah, I actually love those movies. Talking about good uh comedy horror movies, you need to go if you haven't already. Anyone listening, Babysitter one and two. It has the first one. I think they both star uh, Samara Weaving from Ready or Not. Yeah, they're great both, movies. They're on my list. I have not gotten around to them for whatever reason. Um, I didn't know she was in there, but yeah, she's 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 up and coming. I think her performance in this movie was great. She was kind of carrying it for a while. <laughs> yeah, opinion. I thought I thought she did really well, and that's like one of the first things I noticed was uh, or mentioned as I was leaving the theater. I'm big, you know. You go with your person, whoever, and you talk about it on the way to the car, the whole ride home. And that was one of the first things I mentioned was I thought she did a really good job. Yeah, she's she's definitely going places. Um, anything she's in, I, almost at this point, I'm gonna probably tune in for. Um, I was not feeling some of the other people in the movie. It's funny you mentioned that. So as they start rolling them out kind of one by one, uh, me and my buddy were just like almost every single person that popped up rolling our eyes at them. Uh, the yeah. only one who I was really excited about was um, her name is Jasmine Savoy Brown. She mm-hmm. plays uh, Mindy Meeks in the movie, which if you don't know, that's Randy from the original, his nephew or what is his niece, I guess. Yeah, I like her a lot. She's in, um, I haven't finished it yet, but she's in Yellow Jackets, which is on um, okay. Showtime right now. Great show. Love oh, she's that. Doing, she's doing quite well for herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was one other thing she was in, but yeah, I was, I was really excited to see her and I thought she did a great job too. Yeah. I, she probably would be my number two on the, the list of like people I was most impressed by. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything. I'm looking at her, her history right now. I have not watched yellow jacket yet. Cause I don't have, it's on Showtime, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have Showtime at this Man, time. Man, I'll, I'll hook so. you up. I'll hook you up with it. Yeah, I got you. Calm down with the hookups. She was also, I'm one of those weirdos that like, I see you in one episode of one thing and remember it, but she was in an episode of uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but. I, I like Brooklyn Nine-Nine too. I didn't see, I don't remember seeing her in that. Okay. Um, and I binged it. So who, who's, unless it was like a major role, I probably wouldn't remember. Nah, it wasn't. Um, uh, to your point though, like against about uh, some of the casting choices or whatever i i think that is a big part of it though i think we're supposed to go into it like oh these are the annoying teenage kids you know these two are the jocks or these the popular kids and like i think they're kind of supposed to come off that way yeah um i'm trying to think so i'll say with this one and i think this one was intentionally bad the boyfriend of yeah sister i usually like him as an actor but i was annoyed by him for like nine tenths of this movie Dude, I didn't know it. It blew my mind. And if this is something you know, you're gonna be like, "Yeah, why would I not know that?" Do you know who he is? Like, uh, like Jack Quaid. The, yeah. What in the world? I did not know <laughs> that is Jack Quaid, the son of is it's Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan, right? I believe so. Yes. That is wild. The only other thing I could remember for sure seeing him in was uh, Tragedy Girls, which I love. Tragedy Girls. That's one of my favorite horror comedies of the last uh, decade. Yeah. That was and, the movie I couldn't think of when you were talking about great 
work out. Yeah, I've meant to mention it myself. He kind of plays a a similar role, I guess, in that movie. Yeah, he, um, what was I going to say? I actually was at the premiere of that movie at South by Southwest. No way. It has a special place in my heart. I have a sign sign over here, or a poster over here. Dude, I Uh, I can't, I've probably seen that movie like 11 times. Like, I love Tragedy Girls. Yeah, I bought it, everything. Like, it was was definitely a, I want a sequel. I still want a sequel. Um, (laughs) I don't know if we're going to get it, but... Uh, I, I would pay a lot of money to go see the Tragedy Girls sequel. I mean, they set it up again. This is not the Tragedy Girls podcast, but they set it up for a sequel. So <laughs> they did. And I was, I've been waiting to hear something for a while now. Like I still follow all the people involved, uh, but they did talk about how, again, like you said, it's not the Tragedy Girls podcast, but I love the movie. So I'm plugging it. Hell and yeah. uh, they talked the scene at the end uh, where they basically burn the entire school. I just spoiled it. Shit. Uh, whatever <laughs> but the scene at the end they the guy the directors uh basically said that he did not like he had to get approvals to film within a school and he's like uh i did not tell them that we were going to be doing that in their school and who knows how they're going to react when they see we did that in their school that is so, awesome so i don't know if that got him in some trouble behind the scenes somewhere or what but uh because you know schools don't like to be tied to that type of thing right Maybe that's why they haven't gotten a sequel. They're at university now, but he's like, we can't find someone that will let us film again. <laughs> yeah, they probably don't trust us anymore after we tricked us that, that uh, high school. Right. But yeah, let's let's get back to it. So Jack Quaid, like I said, I usually like him. Um, he plays somewhat of a similar character most of the time. But in this one, he was like, he seemed like over the top, perfect boyfriendy. So for me... <clears throat> I guess I don't have to keep the disclaimer of we're super spoiler heavy going into a kind of movie like this. um, I think maybe I'm just a nerd, but like you go into it and you're like, okay, who do I think the killer is like each scene? What is my mind changing? And immediately I was like, well, it's clearly him. But then so many times throughout the movie, you're like, well, it can't be. It's way too obvious at this point. Right. And then you're like, but that's what they want me to think. No, no. (laughs) Well, I finally stuck with it. And I was like, there's, there's going to be two and he's one of them. And I at least was halfway correct. Yeah, so I definitely did that too. As soon as they introduced the idea of them coming back to the town, I was like, you know what? He seems too perfect. He seems too good to be true. He's either going to die within five minutes or he's the killer. Um, But then it was like, all right, so who would he be working with? And when we come back to the town, I figured we would be introduced to somebody and I just couldn't decide who in the town he could possibly be working with. there is, they do give it away in the movie. Um, when, we're intru- when we're introduced to the friend group, first of all, the girl who ends up being involved, I immediately got those vibes from her as well. Did you? Really? I, I don't I don't think I did because I, I was suffering from the same thing you were. My The only reason I had any reservations at all was like, well, there's two of them. Who can I possibly connect him with? And I just couldn't figure it out. I kept thinking what they're going to do is a reveal of someone we haven't met at all. And they're going to have to do the dumb movie thing of explaining like, oh, he was so-and-so's <laughs> third brother removed or whatever. So yeah. I, I wasn't, I didn't get those thoughts from her. Uh, maybe I was looking too hard and missed it or just wasn't, I, I didn't get that though. Literally the first scene, I was like, something's off about this chick. And then I was like, maybe that's too obvious. But they were, they went straight on the nose with the most obvious people. Uh, the 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 jock, I didn't feel like he had enough in him. Um, the girl, Fair. his twin sister, obviously and then when they introduced that they were twins and they, they do all this stuff strategically when they introduced they were twins you're like all right maybe they, maybe it is them 
right? And there would have been a good motive there. You know, Scream's big on motive. Uh, if it would have been Randy's niece and nephew, the motive would have been Randy lives through the first one. He was supposed to live through all of them. This is our revenge for the fact that he didn't get through all of them. Like, I, I had that moment as well. As yeah. soon as they're twins, I'm like, I'm putting my motive together. I'm like, well, it could be them. They're twins. They're they're the buffs. Like, it, it's time for the, the buff to be the one that does it. Right. Um, that's why, how I was feeling personally. She was maybe my favorite character of the movie. Uh, what do we say her name was? Mindy? Sister? Yeah, Mindy. Yeah, she, I, I, she I liked her a lot. Especially later on in the movie, she really, like, starts to steal the show a good bit. Especially one of my favorite scenes of any horror movie ever. It's a very long one, if you consider <laughs> it. It's really probably multiple scenes, but it's where Randy explains, in the original Scream, Randy explains the quote-unquote rules to a horror right. movie. Right. Then everyone leaves the party, and he's there by himself, and he's accidentally breaking all the rules. He's watching Halloween, <laughs> and, you know, he's just doesn't see that the killer's right behind him. And then when they went to recreate that movie with what is now his niece, I was like, this is beautiful. Like it's, it's, all, it. it's on the nose. It's over the top, but it's beautiful. And like, again, it's one of those Randy should have known better. Well, she should really know better, but we're watching it happen. I was anyway. like, please don't let her like go out like him. Like that would be the saddest thing. And then, like right. at the last second, she's like, wait a minute. That, that was perfect. I love the way they executed that. No, um, that was perfect. That was definitely going to come up as one of my favorite moments for sure. Uh, did you name, any other you like the opening uh, was there any other one that you wanted to, to make sure you um I, i'll go with those as my two uh, the opening and then that scene if i have to only pick one i'm going with that with the mindy scene i think but uh okay. those will, those would probably be my two i'm trying to think if i'm missing any um and it's funny because i was gonna add the scene where she breaks down what a requel is as one yeah of that's my perfect moments as well because that is I, really good because i was like you can't just because a lot of movies they'll make up a word like that and they won't explain it but with Scream, you got to get the explanations. And it's one of the few movies that does exposition well without making it seem cheesy and over the top. Which is tough because I feel like they are in the tough position of like having to over explain things. And like that should be really, really, really easy to do incorrectly, but they do, they do it really well. Right. Like they, after her explanation was done, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's also like the only movie where you can flat out explain what it is though you know what i mean and ex get away exactly with it. exactly like they already established that they are the the masters of that so right um they made it work for sure um let's move to favorite kills do you have a, a, a favorite kill moment crap uh i don't know that i do let, let me hear some of yours let's see because off the top of my head i'm having a hard time even remembering what all the kills were let's let's hear some of yours and see maybe go, if that'll jog my memory i'm gonna go with the sheriff um Oh, fair. At the that's, last that, second, that's a really good kill. You're right. Yeah, at the last second, I thought that that was what was what was going to happen, but it's still like because he he set it up so perfectly, and this is again one of the things that Scream does the misdirection um, of like I'm going to kill your son. Um, he references Psycho, and the son's in the shower. And the kid just seemed like the type of kid that was going to die in this movie. <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie. You're, what you're saying is like 1000% correct. Because I think, especially as a Scream fan, like you're supposed to be trained to know better, but you're not. Like you said, they set it up in a way they're referencing Psycho, which they've already done in the past. The original reference is Psycho just by killing Drew Barrymore, you know? Right. And like you said, he set it up so perfectly with, I'm going to kill your son. So she immediately just flight or flight, fight or flight. And you are also thinking like, oh, is she going to get there in time? Oh, Never mind. Yeah. Right. Like the whole time it's like, is she going to get there in time? And then like, as she's running up, you know, you get the shot of her going towards the house, baby, I'm coming. And then I'm like, he's going to pop out. And as soon as I said it, like he popped out, he got her. And then he like tells her like, you know, in this one, the sheriff does die. Like I get, you got to do some things different. 
like, yeah, oh, no, that's man. that's perfect. <laughs> uh, that might would be my nominee now that you say that. Um, uh, Mindy's twin brother. What was his name? Um, I had it right in front of me, and I just dropped it. Uh, let me go back because I was. Either way, I thought. Um, Where is he at? Chad. Mason yeah, Goodwin I thought the actor. He would be named. They would name him flat out Chad, wouldn't they? Huh. <laughs> uh, right on the, wait, he's Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son. What? I saw the name Gooding. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's that's okay. Cuba, now Cuba that Gooding you say Jr. that, I'm I'm looking at his picture and like you can see it kind of. As soon as I saw the last name, I was like, wait a minute, let me check because he kind of looks like them. Wow, I would that's have awesome. never, I'd have never gotten there on my own. But now that you say it, I can see that. That's awesome. And apparently, he's in the show Love Victor. Can we mention how Cuba Gooding Jr. is one of the most wild people on the planet? <laughs> that man is wild. I'm just going to let that statement stand on its own. <laughs> he was in I will Bookstore. say, though, uh, yeah, I just noticed he was in Booksmart. Um, his death specifically is great because it's one of those moments where, Wait, again. Uh, the, the twin brother? Yeah. He didn't die. Does he not? At the very end, when they're showing the twin sister being rolled out, there's a guy in the back of an ambulance that like gives her like oh you're up. right that was you're him. right that's my yeah. fault i guess what i was gonna say that scene specifically is good though because you're like you're supposed to be smarter than this you're walking outside you're checking the exactly. location he, it's the perfect scream scene he just turned down the chick to to avoid being in this situation and he ends up in the situation anyway <laughs> right uh another scene that i thought they did perfectly like perfect was uh, i believe it's uh it's jack quaid and mindy and he's going to go down to the garage to get a beer. And of course we know in the original, mm. that's when, um, can't think of her name off the top of my head, but that's when she dies in, in the garage. The, uh, garage, yeah. The, One of the crazier scenes of the movie. Jacked up. <laughs> but uh, he literally says something. And she makes a comment like, you know, you're not supposed to go down alone. He's like, you're right. That's why I asked if you want to go. I'll be right back. Oh, I'm not supposed to say I'll be right back. Like that just was a perfect scene. Yeah. That that back and forth was really good. Right. And again, they didn't do all the, the full explanations like they did in the first movie because they don't have to at this point. Right. So I, I like that too. Um, what was I going to say? You, you alluded to, oh, I was going to tell you how they gave it away about who was working together. And I didn't catch it at the time, but after we find out who it is, I thought back to this moment. When they go to the hospital, when they go to see Jenna Ortega in the hospital, and the sister's there, and she's introducing all the friends and all that, everybody gets introduced to each other. And then randomly, Jack Quaid's character like introduces himself to the girl. And it's like an awkward exchange. Really? You know, you you remember that like he, like after everybody's already been yeah. introduced, she's already introduced. This is my boyfriend. Like he just randomly says, oh, "Hi, my name's such and such." To the girl who he's working with, like, and she's looking at him like, "Okay." And that and and that moment is just like this dude is awkward as fuck. But like when you look back on it, it's like he's trying to pretend like we don't know each other, and she's like, "Bitch, we that's already clear." Like, right, and that's perfect because he is awkward, so you can play that off either way exactly. as like. I, even though you're supposed to be looking for that kind of thing, I didn't notice it, but that's perfect. I mean, the more we're talking about this, you may have raised my rating by like half a point or so. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> if you go back and watch it again, you're going to be like, oh shit. Like, yep, yeah, I'm going to notice I, that immediately now. Giveaway. And I think like her clinginess towards Jenna Ortega's character was my first sign that she might be the, the one. I, um, I, I think we need to address something really quickly. Okay. I know this isn't the purpose of this podcast, but we find ourselves every time we're together having to have at least one of these conversations. Should his character have been canceled? She's a high schooler, dude. 
No. They never they never tell exactly how old Jack Quaid's character is, but we know they're older. We know they're not right. in high school. Right. I mean, they're probably if they're not 30, I mean, they're she, my age at least. We know that she allegedly left when she was 18. Like she left uh the town and she's been gone 5 years. So she's at least 23. I would yep. imagine she's not dating dudes that are a lot younger than her. And I also didn't she make a comment like Jenna Ortega's character was like 11 or like she was really young when when the sister left right if you follow the timeline the um if you follow the timeline the movie came out in 96 his mom would have had to been their mom would have had to been pregnant so her being 23 24 makes sense like timeline wise yep and he's got to be at least that age and he's talking to this high school chick like baby this and that and i'm like yeah this kind of made me feel a little uncomfortable like y'all wait granted about this Granted, he is a mass murderer, so I guess he's already canceled, so I don't have to re-cancel him, (laughs) but uh, me and my buddy immediately were like, uh, that's weird. Yeah, that was, they needed to address that in some way. He was way too comfortable calling her baby and stuff, and I was Uh, feeling weird about it. I was feeling weird about it. I'm glad you brought that up, because I would have been mad if I, like, listened back, and I was like, damn, we didn't bring up the potential pedophilia. No, I'm just glad I'm not alone. I'm glad I'm not the only one that was like, well, it's a little weird. And it's like, how long have they been talking? Like, this is... I mean, to make these kind of plans, you don't formulate these plans overnight. Like, y'all y'all got a right. connection. Y'all right. have... Even if it's not that kind of connection, I don't know why y'all are speaking to each other to begin with. So... Yeah, like, and they kind of did, you know, we were on the Reddit boards, but like, you're an old mid-20s, upper-20s type of guy. You're talking to kids in high school. Right. Let's not go romantic with it. Whatever. Right. Um, but they definitely... I felt like they probably could have addressed that at some point. Like, even if it was just a throwaway line afterward, like... I, I was dating a pedophile type of thing like um something yeah. you and i haven't acknowledged at all yet we've talked about pretty much everything i think you could talk about with the movie we've talked about the entire cast but the only person that we have not talked about is the sister um what is her name in the movie it is sam yeah one she's named sam carpenter so that in itself is a shout out to john carpenter i like to believe yeah um, they definitely did that because they named the other kid west to right and I don't know if you noticed, uh, Billy Loomis's character is named Billy Loomis because in the movie Halloween, Dr. Loomis. Yes. I did, and I, did I believe there's that. a character in Psycho whose name is also Billy, or there's a, there's another Psycho reference as well. But, um, you know, the, the sister who we haven't really spoken about, she's kind of set up as, is she the Sydney or is she not? Either way, like she is a really big character and we've talked about right. everyone but her. I did not enjoy her. I'm just keeping it a hundred. I think that was the point I was kind of making. We made it this far. <laughs> she wasn't bad. She was just was not she's a rememberable. Yeah. was not a memorable performance. She and maybe that there. was the point. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. If you think to the original scream was, was Sydney that interesting? Cause I don't remember her being that interesting in the original movie. That's a really fair question. We look back at Sydney as like one of the greatest final girls ever, but I don't think she achieved that until the very end. No, I think you're right. Because if you would have asked me that without context, I'd be like, are you kidding, dude? Cindy, Cindy Prescott <laughs> is the best. But now that you say that, it's like, well, was she that interesting of a character beforehand? Like, it's you, almost, you might be right. It's almost like the the straight man in, in a comedy or whatever. Like, they're there to to be the person that you follow, but everybody else is the interesting characters. Fair enough. I, I think you're onto something there. So I, I, I yeah, I, I wanted to be nice to her. <laughs> That's why I didn't mention it yet. But my bad. She was not doing the legwork for this movie. Like it was definitely everybody else around her was more interested. 
I mean, in hindsight, she's literally like one, she's Billy Loomis's daughter. So there's that connection. She's obviously Jenna Ortega's sister and she's how we get the boyfriend into the mix. So like, if anything, uh, I can't think of the, the, the word I'm looking for, Bill. she's, she's really just kind of like a stepping stone. Like we're getting us places, but like, yeah. we don't need you to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you at any point think that she was the killer? No, I never did. Um, never thought maybe she was blacking out and like Billy was that would that would have been too much in my opinion. Like if they had gone there, I would have been pissed. Yeah, I, I never even considered it honestly. Did you? I did because they were doing a lot of legwork with like the Billy Loomis like coming appearing to her, and I was thinking like, is there some way, especially when they accused it of her of being the person, and the only time like she was attacked, but nobody saw her be attacked. She doesn't have any wounds. Like, did she imagine that? We know she's having hallucinations already. So Fair. I was like, maybe she is like blacking out and becoming her her uh, deceased father or something along those lines. Or like, he's channeling her. She's channeling him somehow. Side note, speaking of like the hallucinations of Billy, I have to say, this is going to sound wild rude. Bear with me. I apologize. If you would have... <laughs> If I would have been there in 1996 and you would have made me rank in order, how well are these people going to age? I'd have had Nev Campbell number one. Uh, Courtney Cox would have been fairly high. Somehow Courtney Cox ages just awfully. Nev Campbell, she aged fairly well, but why did Skeet Ulrich of all people age the best? He's He looks the exact same somehow. At first I was like, whoa, that's pretty good CGI. And my buddy was like, no, that's what he looks like today. <laughs> I was, like, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, did they de-age him? And then I started paying more attention. I was like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure that's his face. Nah, Billy Loomis just somehow aged really well. <laughs> I, I didn't want to go there, but we went there. I, I, I have to agree. They, um, I, I like to think neither Nev Campbell nor Courtney Cox is going to hear me say that. So it's all good. But You, you never know. I'm kind of adjacent with these people. Okay. That's fair. Shout out to Nev Campbell. <laughs> Shout out to Nev Campbell. If you're listening, Nev, what's up? What's up? I think you already you already burnt that bridge. Is it too late? <laughs> you already burnt that bridge. Um, Damn it. But no, I did have a lot of fun with this. So final thing, I don't know how long we've been on here at all. Um, I, I always say it's going to be 30 minutes, going to be 45. Well, it's it's my fault. I, I'm awful at this. I'll talk forever. So <laughs> It's all good. So will I. So In it, the future, you're just going to have to be like, hey, sorry, Tyler's the guest. So this is going to be way longer than we wanted it to be. But it's, uh, I, I don't know. Do you know Shad Miller? Yeah. Uh, he's he's definitely one of those. Like if I'm bringing Shad on, I already know it's going an hour and a half. I was about to say I feel like only through <laughs> you, but yeah, yeah. Shad, Shad is definitely a talker, um, and it's funny. Like especially if I try to do more than like two or three people, I was like, yeah, we're, we're going to be here for a while. Um, but no, I definitely don't mind it. as long as we're like talking about things related to the movie. I could not care less. Um, so then the last thing I want to do, I'm trying to come up with a little bit of a rating system, a way to, to make sure I'm, I'm looking at every movie the same. So I got my five factors that I want to consider for every movie. So I'm going to ask you one okay. through five star rating on each if, of these if you, five factors. If you don't mind, can we do yours? And then obviously I'm just a guest. So if you don't want to do it, it's perfectly we're, fine. We're, we're, we're I would, I would like to uh, throw you the way I rate movies and see how you would do it on that scale. Okay. We can get kind of both if you don't mind. All right, you want to give me your scale, or we can? No, do no, no. I like. I, I want to hear yours. I want to hear right. yours. So first of all, overall entertainment value, one through five. What are you giving it? Overall entertainment, um, a four. Yeah, I think four, four and a half is is fair for overall entertainment. Okay. And I do need to warn you in advance. I'm very much one of those people. Uh, I'll go lower than higher. I'll never. I, I don't ever want to accidentally go too high. <laughs> if anything, I'll accidentally go lower than I would have. So. Yeah. And I, I also, I was thinking four, four and a half myself. I usually will give an initial and then like dial it back after the uh, recency yeah. bias is worn off. 
number two is does it keep you on your toes and personally i think i'm going three and a half four here as well because like we said they're they kind of halfway give it away but they do keep you guessing at the same time uh even after you think you figured it out i would have said three but it's probably closer to three and a half or four um i'll stick with let's say three and a half just because like you said um or like I'd even mentioned earlier, I do go, you, you go back and forth the entire time, just because I got at least half of it right from the jump. It did at least have me question it in my own head, even if it weren't for what I would call quote unquote, like good enough reasons. Like it right. still had you doing that either way. So it, at least a three and a half, probably. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll just to stick in that one. They talk about at the end, like in the big finale, um, this one has stakes because they killed they killed somebody we didn't think they were going to kill in this movie. Fair. Did, did that work for you? Did you think that maybe somebody else, one of the other big faces was going down? Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily, but only because Scream has always had, had stakes. I mean, it literally opens the franchise by killing who was marketed as the star of the movie. Right. So it, it didn't necessarily do anything more for me. I think, right. um, I even asked on the way up, uh, on the way to the movie with my buddy who loves the franchise even more than I do. I said, um, who's going to die? I said, my money's on Dewey and I might take Gail Weathers as well. It's not going to be Sydney, I don't think, but I think Dewey dies today. Yeah, I thought they were going to get Gail. I thought they were going to get Gail. I will say, hey, I got my Dewey prediction right, I guess. (laughs) But uh, all right, we're off topic already for this portion, but how'd you feel about how he went out, his, his kill? I don't think, I don't think we ever got a favorite kill from you. Um, actually, I think it's in the grand scheme of things, if for no other reason, maybe I'm looking at it too, like myopically, but for his character specifically, I think that's how he's supposed to go out. We get full circle goofy who starts off as the goofiest person possible to now he's been through all this stuff and the way he goes out. Like, I think it was perfect. Honestly, I don't use the word perfect very often, but I think that, I think that was great. (laughs) They did him justice. I would say like him being able to get everybody out of a ridiculous situation uh, him realizing that he probably hadn't killed the the guy, going back to be going back on his own to do it in a heroic fashion, uh, getting got, but then even the kill itself was pretty cool because they got him with the double knives, one in the front, one in the back. Right. And I think uh, it was dope. Even after they killed him, like it, it's an honor, you know, type of thing. It's like, oh man, that's beautiful. And like, then we it, do, and we do go on to honor him for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and it's weird to say, you know. Um, it was a beautiful, it was beautiful how he died, but you know, <laughs> it was, if you're going to kill him, like there, you can't just have it be a casual thing. Like as Only the, on this podcast, do you hear the phrase, like it was a beautiful death. <laughs> you know what? We're going to keep it moving. All right. So that kind of leads me into the next one. Uh, this is, this is huge for me when it comes to, to movie ratings. Did you have an emotional connection? Like did anything kind of land for you on that level in this movie? Um, uh, unfortunately, I don't think it did. I think it tried, but at the same time, uh, like the things that I enjoyed the most out of it is again, like being as meta and self-referential as it is, I'm like going out of my way to look for every little Easter egg I can. And you even pointed some out that I, I didn't catch, but like uh, one of the best ones that I thought is probably going to go overlooked, but um, Courtney Cox's character, Gail Weathers, she makes a comment about uh, how beautiful a reunion of friends can be. And of course she plays Monica and friends. And we literally just got the friends reunion a few months ago. Like little stuff like that is okay. great, but like how much of a emotional connection is there? You know what I mean? I think in terms of that, it may have missed it for me. If I have to rank that, I'm going like one and a half or two, probably. Okay. 
I, I'm sticking in the, that three, three and a half range in that for that one. And I will say that I think watching the other movies directly before this definitely helped that. Like if I was coming back to this after years uh, or if I had been familiar with the movies for a long time, it probably wouldn't have landed. But having watched them in succession like that for the first time, they're all very fresh for me. Um, and I felt like a lot of the the family connections, I think like I didn't want the the new the sheriff to die. Uh, I didn't want her kid to die, even though I didn't care about that the kid. Like he didn't seem that interesting. Like <laughs> I still was like, oh man, they just took out a whole generation of, of, of this family. Like that's that that's fair. Um, I think that seeing like where Dewey is now versus where he is in the beginning, it got to me a little bit. Like no, you're right about that. And and we even see some growth from uh from Gail Weathers. I mean, she does come back. She does get very upset movies. over uh, Dewey's death. Her and Sydney seem to have a super close relationship by the end of it. So, yeah, I think I think you're right. Maybe I need to go up to more like a two <laughs> and a half or a three. Maybe you're right. Yeah, like and I, and again, I, I didn't want the twins to die. Like I was, I, I started caring about some of these kids. Like some of them, I didn't. I usually like go in like choosing who I don't care about but in this one i was like please don't kill these twins like stuff like <laughs> that's that. fair so i'm trying i'm gonna give it that three three and a half uh on that one as well for me uh as far as d- the movie doing its job so when i say did it do its job did it do you think they accomplished what they set out to accomplish with the movie that is the toughest one for me and it's why even though I have spoken very fondly in general about this movie, it's why my overall score isn't as high. And I think it's because I really, really struggle with the question, what exactly was it trying to accomplish? I know uh, it's really easy to say with a quote unquote requel, as they call it, it's really easy to say like, why, who asked for this? Was this necessary? What did it add? What do we need? But like, I do struggle with that question. What, was its job what was its purpose and did it do it I, I i don't really know i think for me and i think they do kind of reveal it in the the that requel scene is uh bringing back the original feeling that you got from the first movie uh but introducing new characters but not random new characters characters that are tied to the characters from the original but not too harsh like like not forcing it uh, in a way that made sense, and then trying to find a way to upgrade on either the kills or the story itself. Now, I think they did a good job with the bringing the the ties to the characters. The, I, I, like I, I clearly the emotional connection worked for me. Um, that part of it, I thought they did a good job of. What I hated is they still end up with a finale that is oh too much. It's y'all been just slashing and dashing people all this time why do we have to get to the end and have the big reveal and oh now we got to get everybody in the same room and now we can't get everybody in the same room and they're supposed to be smarter they're supposed to be learning from the previous but they're doing the exact same things that ended all of those characters uh that part of it is the only thing that i felt like that was an opportunity to do better uh it was still it makes it a little sloppy for me yeah, I 100% agree because again, I think it goes back to the whole thing that I keep mentioning of like, that's what this format is. And I understand, hey, that's what this format is. We we do want to stick to that, especially we're honoring Wes Craven. Like we don't want to stray too far away, but if you're going to do something new, if you're going to do this to begin with, I think you have to be willing to take those kind of risks. I think this, like you said, was an opportunity is the word that I would use um, to do something different. And, and again, it's kind of, 
the exact same movie. They're all kind of the exact same movie. And maybe that's the point. I think it is. But again, if that's the case, you didn't do enough of the other stuff so much better that I'm cool. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Same stuff. Yeah, you did too much of the same stuff still. Yeah, um, I agree. Still um, up at the house party. like, And I get you're supposed to do those things. But like, right. even in the fourth one, the house party's in the middle of the movie. And they specifically say like, oh, it's a false ending uh, in that movie. So like I expected them to, to even expand upon that, but we still end up with, again, going back to the first movie, the, the same house, the same, get them all in the kitchen, like the same kitchen. So, you know, they did go out differently, sort of. Right. Uh, <laughs> how'd you feel about the, those or the, the girl's death? I'll say that real quick. This is a quick tangent. Like how they they killed on the stove. That was a lot, um, but okay. I I think it was an opportunity. My my buddy uh, my buddy told me that I'm reaching here. But again, think about how self referential and meta this movie is. Right now, the only other movie I'd ever seen her in was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, I don't know if you've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, do you remember she's part of the Manson family? She and looked like she was. They go in. <laughs> True. Oh, she was Sadie. Yeah, that's right. All yeah, right. She she's the Sadie, and she ends up. Sorry, huge spoiler. If you've never seen Once Upon a Time, um, <laughs> Leo gets the 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 flamethrower and torches her. And I was like, is that what they're referencing right now? Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. But oh, if man. it is, that's beautiful. If you know not, what? it's just a lot for no reason. I was gonna say it felt like at the time I was like, well, that's unnecessary, and I'm not sure if that's how stoves work. And like, was she doused? <laughs> did, like, did she bathe in gasoline before she came out here? Like, it's not how oh, fire works at all. I need the tagline of this podcast to be, "I'm not sure that's how stoves work." <laughs> but, uh, but if that's what they were doing, okay, now that that doesn't suck as much as it did initially in my because I was like, all right, y'all, now y'all are doing too much. Fair. <clears throat> I know we've been talking forever. I know you're probably trying to get me out of here. I do have one last question for you. Something I do have that one you... more factor. I didn't hit you. Okay, up. cool, cool, cool. Let's hear it. <clears throat> so what did you gave it like a one and a half on? Did it do its job or did you give it a rating? I'll go one and a half. Okay. The final thing is X factor. So I needed a fifth thing to like kind of push movies over the top. Something, you know, brand new, like get out type of thing. Like we we hadn't seen a movie like get out like that's that has an x factor of some sort was there any x factor in this movie that <clears throat> something you didn't see before something that, that changes the game or you know anything that stood out a special acting performance like th- those type of things no in, in that term i'm a, again go like one and a half or two just because the only argument you can make is what we mentioned earlier this for a screen movie is way more like gory and over the top than we thought it was going to be so in that sense maybe but in terms of the horror genre itself in terms of movies in general like no there's not that that kind of thing i don't think i agree or if there is maybe i'm missing it i agree um i think i'm, I'm gonna give it a i'm gonna give it a one because i want to give it a little bit of credit for uh again the self-awareness and pulling it off in a way that it wasn't cheesy uh it, it's an enjoyable movie it, it pays homage to the original again without overdoing it uh i thought so uh special no but i thought it was a i thought it did some some good things that's fair uh you mentioned the self-referential that's kind of the one of the things i wanted to ask you obviously the original screen mentions all these or makes reference to all these uh movies of its time or before like psycho and uh, halloween and all these other movies 
Uh, I thought they did a really cool job of mentioning what modern horror is. And they mentioned some of my favorite movies ever. They mentioned the witch it follows get out hereditary. And in that moment I was, I was nerding out for a second. I was like, okay, oh, this is really cool. Like when Jenna Ortega in the very beginning, like she won me over immediately. Like what she said, her favorite scary movie was uh, the Babadook. Cause I think that's probably yep. uh, as far as like scary movies, like that are traditional, like get out is probably my favorite scary movie right now off the top of my head. But it's not like a scary movie, scary movie. Like Babadook is like a traditional scary movie that I probably would put at the top of my list. So like it's somehow that, it's somehow a traditional scary movie, but it's also like way deeper than the exactly. average horror film would like ever even like I think a lot of people walked away from that movie not liking it because they didn't realize, you know, there's <laughs> that elevated horror or whatever. Yeah. And so like her description of it, everything, I was like, all right, yeah, I like this character. Like, don't kill her, please. Um, I agree. So yeah, that that was good for me. And again, like you said, the mentioning even more newer movies was a nice little touch. And I think that's that's a pretty good X factor. I think that's fair. That is fair. Um, if if you don't have any more questions that's for me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you mine. Okay. Um, the way that I rank movies, and I'm gonna run through this very quickly. I know you got we we got some Mavs games to watch tonight and stuff, but um, <laughs> the way I always rank movies is on a scale of one to ten, and of course that allows for like half points and everything i only like one to ten better than one to five just because i think it does give more you know to me there's a big difference in a five a five and a half and what's a six or a seven you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um but the way i rank my movies and again i i love rewatching movies so if if there's a person out there listening that's not into rewatching my scale's not gonna make sense but uh (laughs) a 10 there's no such thing as a 10 uh a nine (laughs) is like if i give something a nine or a nine and a half that is for sure the best movie i've seen this year Eight, eight and a half is like, that's for sure one of the top three, top five of the year. I will be rewatching the hell out of that. Seven, six range is, uh, I will for sure be watching this again. The five range is like, man, if it's on and there's nothing else on, okay. maybe four is like, uh, I might will watch that one more time in my life. Anything below four, I'll never watch it again. What are, what are we giving Scream 2022? So that's going to be tough for me because I am not a rewatch person. Fair. But I think that because this, if this movie was a standalone, I probably wouldn't have, probably wouldn't have any replay value at all. But because it's part of the franchise, because I've enjoyed my experience with the franchise, I could definitely like, and and as a horror fan, I could definitely see myself watching this again. So that at least puts it immediately at a five, six. Um, I'm going to keep it at that range. I'm probably going to say six on your scale. I walked out of there saying four and a half to five. I will watch it again at some point, but I don't know. Like you said, the rewatch value just unfortunately isn't there. There, there are times where it is a fun movie and I think where it really benefits from is like we mentioned uh, all the references to modern horror movies that you and I love for that reason alone. Uh, and I love the, the Mindy character it, because I love the Randy character for that reason alone, there is a little bit of rewatch value right. four and a half or five. I, it's that's not the last time I've seen this movie ever, <laughs> but how many times will I watch it? And it's funny because I, I feel like you and I just did a very positive review of this <laughs> podcast. And then we get to the end. We're like, mm, you know, yeah, it's kind I, of. I maybe watch it again. At the end of the day, it's kind of mid, and and it's supposed to be like it's it's it is what it is. At the end of the day, um, and I think on my scale, when I look at my rating, it comes out at about a three, three and a half, anyway. So, out of five. Uh, real quickly, uh, what's crazy, what blew my mind, and I don't know how much uh, credit you give Rotten Tomatoes. I'm one of those people. I check the Rotten Tomatoes score for every single movie ever. And when it works in your favor, whether good or bad, like you can use it as a reference or whatever. But like, right. I've never once, like it doesn't affect my opinion or anything. You know what I mean? Right. But uh, it actually 76% Rotten Tomato score, 84% audience score. If you oh, combine wow. those, it's actually the highest rated movie 
of the franchise. Even the original was a 79-79. And usually when you're dealing with sequels, people are harder on them than most movies. So that's actually really, that is a very good indicator. And if you don't know how Rotten Tomatoes rankings work, uh, if it's three and a half out of five or higher, that's considered fresh. Uh, so most people are giving it three and a half or higher. And that's how I, why I do my scale the way I do, because I want to be able to transfer it to a Rotten Tomato scale. Um, I think last year I did try to be, become a tomato meter approved critic, but they said I, I got to write for some other publications before I can do that. Oh, so, no way. Um, I might. I, I would the, check out the, I would check out the bibs uh, tomato reviews. <laughs> I, would, I mean, uh, I check out the bibs reviews either way. So I'm, de- of course I'm, I'm, gonna do that. I'm definitely going to uh, start doing more like rating stuff on the website. Um, just doing my own thing and not worrying about trying to get to a tomato meter. At right. Any point. But I, um, that. I think but we've yeah. arrived at a place where bibs doesn't need rotten tomatoes. Rotten tomatoes that's, needs bibs more than bibs <laughs> needs rotten tomatoes. That's, that's how I'm, that's the kind of time I'm on these days. I'm trying to try to stop worrying about trying to get into certain circles or whatever and just doing my own thing because what i found is just doing your own thing is your people are going to come to you uh, absolutely if you're doing it good enough so um yeah that's the mentality it's, it's working for me so far so i'm going to stick with it absolutely any parting thoughts you want to add on the on the move no man i apologize for taking so much of your time i literally <laughs> was like when you said 30 to 45 minutes at first, I was like, well, I mean, that's a fairly long movie review. And then when I got to the studio, I was like, I'm accidentally <laughs> going to be on here forever. And it's going to be my fault, but <laughs> I, I have no problem with it at all. I can sit here and talk. We could probably talk for another two hours for an oh, I'd about, keep it rolling. The Mavs uh, game would end. I'd be like, Oh crap. I forgot about the Mavs. <laughs> but, uh, but I think we, we, we accomplished what we set out to do again. We're definitely gonna uh, bring you back for something. If there's any movie that that's on your mind, Again, I, I'm treating you like my horror guy, but it doesn't have to be horror. Like, if there's a movie you're excited about, you want to talk about, um, definitely hit me up. We can make something happen. Cause, uh, see, that's like, that's very much how I am. Like, obviously, horror was my first love and always will be. But I'm also just generally speaking a movie nerd. Like, uh, anything that gets nominated, like if there's any movie that's either popular or will be nominated for any awards, like I I, I see it. I go out of my way to see it. So, uh, people definitely think of me as a horror person, and I am. But I, I'm I definitely am. And more than that, for sure. Definitely. And I'm probably going to bring back my awards for 2021. I need. I to can't watch... wait. You better. I'm going to make you bring those back. I can't <laughs> I, wait. I need to watch a shit ton of movies between now and probably the end of March is when I'll probably do them. Um, and then uh, I'll definitely put you on my panel for sure. To, to I was about to say, I actually get to like speak on the panel this time, hopefully. So last no, time I yeah. wasn't able to, unfortunately, but. No, definitely. I'll probably, uh, yeah, we'll probably bring, bring some you and a couple other people. Shot. it'll probably definitely be one. I might bring Reese up as well. So we'll have, we'll have a good panel, I think. Um, it should be fun. It should be fun. Real quick, man. I want to thank you if you don't mind. Obviously, uh, as everyone listening knows, like you brought me in to talk movies and everything. But uh, for anyone that doesn't know, I'm also a sports writer. I've got my credentials with the Mavs this year. And uh, you've been on my podcast to talk Mavs. But I have to thank you so much, dude. You've given me uh, a lot of love in terms of being someone who's technically part of the media now or whatever. And man, I, I really do appreciate the hell out of that. I know, uh, especially in Mavs Twitter, you're someone who is loved and respected and uh, you, you didn't have to use your, your platform like that to give me any love. So I appreciate the hell out of it, man, for real. No, man, you do, you do good work. I always appreciate people that are working hard and, and doing their thing. Um, I try to show love when I can and uh, I'm bad at receiving it. If you can't say I'm the, I'm the same way. That's why the first time I got to talk to you, I was like, thank you so much. Dude. I pr- appreciate it. But. No, I'm bad at receiving it, but no, they, I appreciate it. I, um, I, like I said, I try, I try not to be one of those people. I, I feel like a lot of people get a little bit of a name and start putting themselves in a bubble 
and like treating people different, uh, I definitely don't want to be that person. So anytime I see somebody doing their thing, whether you have five followers or 5,000, like I'm always going to show love. So. All right. I appreciate it, man. For real. No, definitely. And uh, again, we'll, we'll get you back on here as soon as possible. Uh, I appreciate you coming in. It's got about an hour, I think, until the Mavs game. Yeah, got about an hour. So I'll let you get out of there. Um, Again, appreciate you for coming on. This was a lot of fun. For sure. Oh, by the way, I'm going to make you between now and the trade deadline. I'm, I'm going to make you come back on the on the linen closet, if you don't mind. But that, that's a short window. <laughs> True. Uh, True. But no, definitely. Uh, if you let me know ahead of time, I, I'll make sure we get you on the schedule. Cool. Awesome. I appreciate it, man. All right. Take it easy. Thank you.